Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rick Thorne. Uh, on this episode, I'm super stoked because it's longtime friend, legend. I don't even know where to start, man. I, I love this guy so much, Mr. Matt Hoffman, the Condor. What's up, Matt? What are you doing? <laughs> Yo, T-Bag, in effect. I really, I always liked the nickname T-Bag. I always did. I still do. <laughs> Makes me feel oh, cool. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just between us. I forgot. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, I mean, Rick Thorne, how are you doing? <laughs> no, you can call me T-Bag, bro. It's all good. I want the world to know, <laughs> baby. <laughs> What's up with you, brother? How you been? Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm good. I'm, uh, see, I feel like I'm always in a state of healing, but, uh, but right now I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. The weather's pretty, uh, pretty cold, so it's keeping me off my bike, but, uh, but it's, Making me kind of focus on other things that I've been putting off, so that's good. It's good. How cold is it there in Oklahoma right now? It's freezing. I mean, it's uh, I got this morning. It was like in the twenties or something, but um, but it's supposed to. It's it, it this time of year in Oklahoma. It's just right where the highs and lows just collide, so that's why we get all these tornadoes and crazy weather. But one day it could be like seventy degrees, the next day it could be like in the teens. So um, it's supposed to. I remember living in the Midwest. You get those days where you're like, "Sweet, I can go ride," and then and then you get those like two or three weeks where you're like, "Bummer, can't can't ride." Uh, you know? Yeah. All my fun kind of uh, kind of revolves around the weather. Is either jumping out of planes or uh, jumping off ramps. Uh, but it's good now because it, whenever it gets it gets bad, I, I've got some other kind of aspirations with the with painting and stuff i can just kind of lock myself in a room and wait till the weather changes <laughs> so that's kind of a that's a good way to fill myself out a bit do you miss that uh well i'm sure you do remember the indoor warehouse ramp you had dude that was so sick do you miss that indoor ramp i, I do but it and i think back on those ramps it, i'm sure i did use them again but ramps have changed so much that uh like I'd, I'd have to rebuild it. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, not the. Well, I, I guess I worded that weird, but like, not the ramp its size, just being just it, having an indoor place. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think I think it's like whenever you have an indoor place, you kind of just maybe take it for granted a little bit. But also, I, I enjoy being outside. I enjoy uh, like looking and seeing horses walking around, or, or just I see, you know, which is kind of a strange. Uh, strange element to have next to a vert ramp, but where my ramp is, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's like a little zen place. When I, whenever I was inside, I mean, it was, it was awesome because you could ride any time, but you just, you're always indoors. <laughs> you know, like you never go outside. Right. So it's kind of, it's having, having a ramp outside, it kind of forces you to get outside and just, uh, especially just feel better that way, I think. Yeah, no, it does. I agree with you. There's nothing like being outside riding around rather than being indoors. Just that cold weather, man. It's hard to take to take the breaks. We yeah, to... yeah. This time of year, yeah, this time of year, it's like, yeah, you can totally wish. I totally wish I had a place indoors, but I gotta toughen up. Uh, dude, on your Instagram, you kill it every day solo, and I'm like, 
it's so rad. I'm like, I'm like, you truly love riding, which I know you do, and everyone knows you do. But it's so rad to see you just like, you know, riding vert by yourself has always been kind of one of those things where you're like, eh, I might just do some grinds and and you know do a couple lip tricks. But you're like, no, I'll do an Indian Air. I'll do a, a Peacock. I'll do. Hey, I bought a, I, I bought a five. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I don't know, I I, uh, I feel better when I'm, I'm alone. I just, you know, I've kind of rediscovered my riding a lot in the last few years. Like, I mean, whenever, I guess it's been a while, it's been probably like 10 years ago, I, I got hit by a semi-truck, and, um, and that took me out for like four years. I couldn't, I, I, sat, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to ride again. The first time the doctors were saying that, uh, you know, that I wasn't going to ride again. And, you know, you, you've been there. You get that from all the doctors. And you're like, yeah, right, I'll show you. But this time, whenever they told me that, I'm like, fuck, you're, I, I kind of believe you. You know, like, I, it took me five years to get control over my arm, but it was it was partially paralyzed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And and then I just, like, I started riding again. And uh, But, it was, you know, people stopped calling, and um, and I was kind of off, off the radar. So it was just like, I was on the ramp, and I I didn't really have any any purpose to ride. Whenever all my purpose was kind of like facing a contest or getting ready for a show, or and I just forgot really that I used to do this completely for myself, you know. And I so I just had to kind of get selfish with my passion again, and and just be like, okay, this is this is for me, and this is you know this might be my last day I ever do this. Just the way I ride, I could crash, and it could be the end. So I'm just gonna appreciate this day, and I'm just gonna uh, do it for myself. And I think when I'm when I'm by myself on my ramp, it, you know, like, I don't know if you're this way, but I, if I have anybody around me, it's like I'm I'm just, like, still scared to uh, show off a little bit, you know, or just like, or just, or I kind of start thinking of, about how my writing through their mind and not really about my writing through, like, just centering it and, and just being a part of it, you know, so, uh, so I just, when I'm by myself, it's just, it's totally for me, you know? Right. And so I just, like, okay, like, I, I don't have any expectations. Sometimes I go out there and I just have a couple of tricks in my mind. I'm like, I wonder if I can still do these. Or, but uh, but most of the time, I kind of drop in and I let each wall come to what the next wall is going to be. And I, I've learned, you know, I can't second guess myself if I if I'm riding um, and I feel something. I just have to commit to it and not you know, hesitate at all because hesitation would always take me out. So it's like seven in the morning sometimes, and I'm like. Whenever it's in the summer, you know, I'm super hot. I'll get up super early and I'll get out there. And it's like 7 in the morning and, I'm, and I feel a, a sweet pump, but maybe it's not as high as I, it's not going to be as high as I wanted on the next wall to do like a big variation. So then I start thinking, oh, 540, well, no hand, five, oh, oh, shit, I'm doing no hand, 540, you just commit. You know, and I'm like, it's 7 in the morning, dude. You should, you should probably. Uh, <laughs> but, and, but sometimes even, even not when I'm in the middle of it, I'll just like, I'll get an idea of a trick and I'll be like, ooh, wait, okay, wait, it's in my mind. And I was like, okay, I know if it's in my mind, I'm probably going to do it. And uh, so I just need to need to commit to it no matter how how much it just doesn't seem like that's a responsible thing to have in your mind at this early in the morning. Or, or even if, if I'm just out there by myself, you know, nobody's around, and you know you can crash because, and I, and I'm rambling now, but I, I've had a few instances out there where I've, it was sunset and I was doing no hander and I guess I missed my grip and uh, and I just uh, I hit the ground and I just knocked myself out but I had my GoPro running for about uh, filming it and it 
once I stayed two, I went and got it, and it ran out of batteries, and I had to sell them for like 10 minutes until it, or nine something minutes, it said, until it went out of batteries. And so I guess I was just laying there for that long. And the only reason I, I woke up, and I wonder, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if you get knocked out, you're going to wake up eventually. But, uh, but you know, whenever we get knocked out at an event, it was in your face, and you know, all like patting on your chest, and like, hey, what's your name? You know, like yelling. And, and, and I always felt when I come to you in those environments, I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my face? Like, just let me, let me just have this moment to myself and just kind of get my, get, get my bearings and stuff. But then I think if, if you're there and no one's around, you don't, you don't wake up for a while. And, and I just heard, and the jet saw me and he's like, yeah, he starts walking up and gets his voice woke me up. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, oh man, I, yeah, I, I, I've been knocked out. And then, um, and then like, hey, we're going to go get some food. You want to come with us? And I was like, I'm pretty jacked. I'm just gonna. I need to. I need to just uh, kind of recoup and, and uh, get my bearings. And so they left, and then, and then my uh, lung collapsed. And you've had your lung collapse a couple times, haven't you? So they put the, the needle in the side and they get the air out so it reinflates or whatever. Oh, what me? Yeah. No, so you know, you know what? I've, I've, n- I've never had. Oh, that was Dennis. Yeah, that was Dennis. I've never had the. I was, I was actually in the backyard back in the day when Dennis collapsed his lung, and like. I mean, that's like, you have to like go right away. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he became completely pale white and like, yeah. you know, a collapsed lung. No. Okay. Tell me about this. You had, you've, you've had a collapsed lung. Yeah, how so, many times? No. So my, well, that's my only time. And I, I guess what happens is uh, whenever you hit your, your chest really hard, uh, it'll poke a hole in your lung or to, uh, uh, like a fracture or happen in your lung and then your ear comes out of your lung. And then the air pushes down on your lung inside your cavity, and then your your uh, your lung can't reinflate. So they have to they have to put a tube inside your side into your cavity to get the air to release so that your lung can reinflate. And then it then it heals over a couple of weeks, and then it's, it's fine. But um, and then of course the person that was putting it in the first time they've ever put it in because it took them like four tries, three lanes. But, but yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, um, uh, just kind of rediscovering writing and, and just kind of figuring out why you why you do it again. You know, it's, I mean, I feel lucky that I, I hurt myself so bad or I got hit by a semi truck because it just made me it made me stop taking advantage of any any idea of writing or, or just you know uh, I, mean, I was lucky I was able to make a living off it or make a career off of it. But really, in the end, I I would have been bummed if I forgot. Uh, why I, I did it, you know, you know, like, exactly. um, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of going like, why do I, you know, like, I, I know I'm going to get injured, and it's not maybe, it's, it's definitely going to happen, and so why do I keep uh, confronting, or why do I keep doing this, you know, but then I think it's, it's almost just that in itself part of why I do it, because it, it makes you get up and face your fears and just, just take it on and, uh, and it's like when you're done, you just and you survive that session or something. You're just like it's like this this accomplishment that only you know that it's only for you. No, it didn't affect anybody else, or it didn't really change anything else in the world. But it was just something that you took on and you made happen. And so now the rest of the day is kind of like extra credit. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. I feel real lucky with with my writing now because I can, you know, I just I feel like. Uh, you know, it's like whenever we first met, I think, I think I met Dennis when I was like 12 and you shortly, shortly after. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think, 
I think didn't know, um, my dad try to uh, hire a dentist to come down to teach me how to ride or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, so it rad. That's dentist tells me. It, it could be, it, it could be bullshit. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, dude. You got to find where uh, the reasons why you do what you do. I mean, we've been in a long time. I remember meeting you 1985 Tulsa AFA contest. Um, you went up and did a switch hander, dude, on this quarter pipe. <laughs> And I was sitting, that's when it was a wedge ramp and a quarter only, and I was sitting on it, and you had a full chest plate, and no one was rocking that full chest plate, right? And the full face helmet, and I was like, who is this dude? You came back to the to the uh, wedge ramp, you know? I said, hey, that was sick. And you're like, thanks. I had no idea. we become friends or whatever down the road. I don't think I've ever known the reasons how you got into BMX or why you started riding. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest of four. Of, uh, uh, two older brothers and a sister, and so um, I, my my oldest brother was into motorcycles, and then um, and I was so I got me into motorcycles. But uh, so I used to race motocross when I was really young, and then uh, my I, I don't think my I, I don't think my mom really liked motorcycles because the track was so dirty and stuff, and you just you just get caked full of mud. It was just the weather was. Uh, it was raining or something, you know, so, uh, so I didn't really get a whole lot of support with motocross, but then, um, I, but then I wasn't, I was kind of more into doing jumps and, and just styles and, and everybody on the track would get pissed at me because I'd want to jump everything and not, not just stay low and, and race. And, um, awesome. and so then I saw like a, a whole sport that, that evolved around doing tricks and jumps and stuff. And, and so I, that's whenever, uh, I just kind of stayed in my, uh, motorcycles on a bicycle and just started uh, riding. And uh, my brother, you know, my brother is into riding, and he got kind of more into skating. And uh, um, and yeah, and my my uncle was a carpenter, so uh, I I broke out some BMX action plans, and uh, he helped me build the ramp. And then my uh, my other brothers, my brother Todd was super talented; he could kind of do whatever he wanted. And so he learned how to drop in right away. And I was like, whoa, how did you do that? And then, He's like, hey, I'll, I'll just kind of hold you in position and you just kind of get a look of it. And he was just kind of trying to uh, trick me to where he was going to get me, he was going to get my trust and then he was going to let me go, which he did. And so I, he let me go and I was like, oh, shit, the guy's going to crash. And then I, uh, I held on and I rolled out of it. And I was like, whoa. And I think that moment of just like, I, had, I mean, I totally feared that. And I, had, I didn't have any confidence that I'd pull it off. And uh, my brother's trying to just, prank me and make me crash but I pulled it off and I was just like uh, it was just kind of like a, um, a moment in my life I was like well what else can I do that I, I don't think I can do that and I just wanted to do everything that, that I was scared of you know <laughs> and, uh, and I just got into I got into riding and um, and then uh, you know like uh, I said it just kind of changed my life and, and I just yeah just kept going so what's yeah that's a, that's a rad story so from that moment on, you realize, like, hey, like, some, you know, face your fears and, like, whoa, I pulled it off. Like, well, I love that feeling. Because riding's about a feeling. Yeah, and I, but I, kept, I, kept, I kept riding. I kept dropping in, kept dropping in. And then uh, my seat post was too high, and, and I got caught behind the seat. And I just, uh, it was the first time I just knocked myself out. And I don't know how, and again, I was by myself. I don't know how long I was there, unconscious. And I woke up, and it was the first time I've ever come to you and I, you know, I had amnesia. I didn't know what was going on, but I just had I had tunnel vision. And I just had one little uh, hole in, 
in my eyes that I could see from anything else that looked like fumes. Have you, has that ever happened to you? Well, no, not not so much like that. Usually when I'm, I get knocked out, I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, what just happened, man? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. I, I, just, I woke up and I'm just like, whoa, I just I, I just have these two little, these little holes in, in my like eyes, in my, my, my vision. I just had two holes that were pretty clear. I could see through them and all these like, there's just like that gas fumes all around that I couldn't see anything was burning. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> well, how how old were you? Yeah, I was probably like, you started going really big, like airs and everything, around 12, didn't you? Yeah, about 12, 13. And yeah, I guess because I, I was riding bigger ramps, though, too. Because I did a, a demo for the local bottling company, and, and they got sponsored by Mountain Dew, and they would give us free bike parts and, um, if we did shows at different grocery stores and stuff. And so, but, okay, we gotta we got to build a portable ramp. So uh, my dad... I have to find someone that could build, uh, that could manufacture this, a metal ramp that we could uh, bring with us. But the guy's like, it's impossible to build, a, to make a transition eight feet. Like, that's what we were talking. But like, I can only make it nine. <laughs> so I thought, okay. So we just we ended up getting uh, having a nine foot ramp. I'd always at that time that was a huge ramp. So I, I guess I don't I don't really think that had I don't know maybe it probably that probably had something to do with me uh, learning how to get. Uh, Years quicker because it's you know if you have a bigger ramp you just yeah you get a, a lot bigger air out of it or go faster at it or whatever you know so you right. learn how to charge it faster so I don't know maybe that's why you got to go high but I just I like I just like to go high and and at the time you didn't really know what everybody else was doing because you didn't have phones that told you like what happened in the world the next day you know so it was like uh, it was I thought everybody was going high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you didn't you didn't have phones telling you like what tricks to do, what to buy, how to look. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you did you you, you, you yeah. actually it was actually called freestyle. Um, you know, I'm gonna talk about like you know the times where we were doing you know all those state fair shows and and how the sport like you know the sport peaked and then it dropped and then you kind of took over. You it took you took it in your hands, which I totally respected uh the bmx contest and and um and keeping it alive you know that was around like what 1992 or something or 91 92 is that when you started doing your contest yeah. series yeah i think the first one we did was in january but you also came out with hoffman bikes at the same time yeah 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 because it was kind of like uh i think um I mean, I was lucky to kind of get the end of that crazy train of like popularity of BMX and everything. But then I also learned from that that you can't really trust the direction of your life and your sport and your passion with uh, companies, you know, or with with the um, with like people that are in in it for the business. And so, like business, all business like uh, aspects of our sport vanished. It seemed like in nineteen. 89, 90, and then so it was like nobody was in contest except for Wilson was doing some, but uh, even those were kind of uh, swimming out, and um, and uh, nobody was making making real bikes. Uh, like I think Haro uh, was kind of Bob was getting phased out, uh, and then DT was just making cheap bikes just to, uh, because nobody could afford. Like it, there was no interest in it, so I was just like. Uh, and at that time, 
in my mind was thinking, okay, I, I started wanting to go bigger and, and to see bigger areas. And I started, I got to get an idea of doing that big ramps and stuff. And so as, as the industry is getting worse and all the uh, products are getting um, cheaper and there's no contest, I'm wanting to ride the most and I need the best equipment to do it because I want to push it in ways that if my equipment fails, it can kill me. So I'm just like, all right, well, okay, I guess I need to do everything myself, you know? So, um, so that's when I just started, uh, you know, doing the contest really just to get everybody together and, and have fun and just have a reason to, uh, one location for everybody to come and gather. And that was pretty amazing too because you remember it was like, it was like the sports dead, no one's going to, uh, no one's right anymore. And then the first contest, it just seemed like it was the most thriving sport, or it was the most thriving our sports ever been, you know? And it's just because it was all about passion. It was all the people that were just so close in love with it were there, and they were there because they had no other choice but to be there because that's who they were. And uh, it was so fun, Matt. I got to interrupt you. That contest in 92 yeah. by Jeff Phillips was so fun. Like that energy, you know, it you can't. It hasn't been energy in, in a while like that energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you know, like Jeff Phillips, he was, I mean, he really changed the way I, he, he totally changed the way I, I perceived riding or, or how I rode. Because, you know, whenever I went on the Watch Impact Tour in 88, I was totally like a, you know, ASA style where you just write tricks out and memorize these tricks and then you drop in and you try to recite this line and have in your head and you never do it right because you always bottom on one wall and you can't do the trick that you want on the next wall so you just get frustrated and you fly out always frustrated. And then whenever I watch Jeff skate, you drop in and you, you end up, when you do shows with someone every day and you memorize their lines, you know what anybody's going to do. And, and Jeff, I, he would always do something different and I was just like, dude, how? How do you come up with your lines? And he's like, I just, uh, I just let each wall tell me what the next wall is going to be. And I was like, what? And so he just dropped in, just go with the flow and let it create itself. I was like, that is amazing. So I, I started trying to do that. I just, just felt like I, I just, uh, you know, like I, I made something. I didn't, I, I created something. I didn't recite something. Just I let it, I just let it happen. And, and so when I'd fly out, I'd feel better about my runs and. Any other run, I would I would try to recite, you know, because it's like I just let it be what it was, letting the flow tell me where to go, and not trying to manipulate it by uh, writing a script and trying to sort of follow you have to follow the script, you know. I know exactly what you're saying because I was at those AFA contests too, and then the comparison to not that they were bad, it was just a different vibe, you know, and it was a different time. But when you yeah. when you look past just what that contest series and what you had to do to be good at those contests. And you say, oh, look how flowing you could be. Jeff Phillips is a great one to look at to say, dude, I want to flow like that, dude. You know what I mean? Because he was rad. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and, you know, he was, he was back in those days, it was like um, there's always that skater uh, biker vibe still. And, um, and so Jeff and I were great friends. And so that's whenever, uh, that's why he let me do it at the first CF contest at, at his park in Dallas. And, it was pretty funny. He was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was, it was that one guy from Scotland that, that worked here that was so stressed out. Just like, just calming him down. Hey, just don't worry about it. Just, you know. <laughs> I think his name was Billy, yeah. And I also remember when Psycho, yeah. like, 
Didn't he? Didn't he like go through the yeah. the restroom ceiling trying to fly out on the roof? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, we'll have these little, we'll have these little little bikers come and do their contest next you know, we're raising hell. They're like, what the hell? But part of them were probably yeah, like, yeah. these guys are rad, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, oh man, you know, really how to how to kill my public relations right now. <laughs> 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 I really have these guys all all happy and letting us do whatever. And like, oh, okay, well, uh, sorry about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, bill me, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that time was that that was a cool time. It was it was a it was it was definitely um, a time that you know cherish forever and those that were there you know know the feeling um but but you took things in your uh in your own hands you know not only you, you had at the time the contest the bikes but also too you built your own park you had your own shows on the road which were like the best shows no one else was, and bmx was doing half pipe shows that not at the level that you were and and then you started to do the uh the big air. Remember, we went to California for that Stuntmaster show, and we hung out with that Johnny Airtime dude. Oh, you were there. That's right. Yeah, wasn't oh, that? Man, that's part of that whole story. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I never talked to anybody that way because you're the only one that that's probably witnessed to that. I remember sitting at that diner with that dude, and those people listening. Johnny Airtime was like a a, a pretty rad stuntman at the time, and and he invited Matt out for the show. Called Stuntmasters, and would you 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 three sixty like what three burning cars or something like that? Is that what it was? Yeah, I was supposed to do a backflip, but I was like, I don't know if I can do a backflip over two times. <laughs> yeah, that, well, at I the time, doing either way, yeah. it was still rad. And and so, anyways, I to listeners, I went out there with Matt because uh, Matt hooked up some deal for me to do some like Japanese network show or something where I had to put on a snorkel and ride through a car wash. <laughs> and I thought like, I'm in California. I'm wearing spandex with the snorkel and a mask riding through a car wash. I'm hitting the big time, baby. <laughs> and then Matt, Matt's 360 and three burning cars, but I couldn't help but like, dude, I suck. <laughs> um, But so, so, so we're at this diner. Okay. Everyone listening. And so Johnny, he starts talking about like you and him both start talking about doing this big air. And all I remember was you guys sketched it out on a napkin. That's all I remember. Yeah. See what I was, I was thinking is that like I sketched it out. So I was thinking of, I was thinking of my, I wanted to get, I wanted to get a lot bigger here. And I was just like, okay, I had number 20 in my head because I could get 10 foot for these. And so I was like, I want to, I want to go 20 feet or more. And, uh, um, and so I thought, okay, I'm gonna. So how I propose it is, I thought I'd make a ten foot ramp with a step down into another ten foot ramp, like a ten foot step down. So I could do a ten foot air into a twenty foot drop into this other ramp. And then um, Johnny was he was like, he was like, you couldn't take the D's, you just collapse. And I'm like, oh, that's a D's, okay. And so he's like, yeah, because uh, he, because see the thing with with Johnny, he was like a, he was a, he was a kind of major uh, master, you know, he, he would figure, remember that one jump, he, he figured out how to uh, jump at like 180 feet or something ridiculous and, and have another pickup truck uh, drive, uh, like he would hit the ramp at like 90 miles an hour or something and then jump and have a pickup truck going uh, 50 miles an hour and drive under him and then he'd land in the back of it and he would just figure all these, all these like uh, the physics of everything, you know, like with the how much the wind was, how much, how fast you need the car to go, and how, and I was just, and he'd, he'd do that with like a, with a train that would be coming at a, at a ramp, and the train would hit the ramp as he's taking off, and he'd jump over the train. And so he had all these 
crazy calculations, and I'm just like, whoa, how do you do that? He's like, when you hit that big ramp, your G's are about two and a half, and you hit it about, like, um, I forget what it was, it was like uh, 25 miles an hour, it gives you vertical speed of like 15 miles an hour or something. And so, but he's like, if, if you took that ramp and you made it uh, twice as big, you hit it twice as fast, you'd have the same G's, but you would have twice the vertical speed, you'd go twice as high. And so that's why I was like, Okay, well, through this uh, 10 foot to 10 foot step down to get 20 foot, I'm just going to build a 20 foot ramp and just hit it fast and, and hold on. And, and that's, that's what happens. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was random, but that's how I figured that out is because I had some decent kids jumping over flaming cars. Wait, 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 you figured it out because why? Because I, you know, because of that, that goofy that, uh, goofy TV gig I had, and, and the stunt coordinator for that gig was, was Johnny Yertime. And, uh, I stayed at his house for a couple of days or something, and just like uh, dreamed up, like learned how to, how to, basically just learned how math was so awesome that you had to like manipulate it and uh, and use it as your crash test dummy. <laughs> okay, so you go back, you build the ramp, you got this twenty foot ramp, and you're like, all right, how am I going to get speed for it? How, okay, tell me how you got speed for it. He had this red pickup truck. Had it right, hold on to the back of the pickup truck and then uh, towed me in there, but it just wasn't working. And as we were doing this, uh, right on the side of the road, and there's this guy kind of pulled over with his motorcycle. He's like, What the hell are you guys doing? I was like, uh, I could really use that motorcycle. <laughs> so um, so I, I was like, Hey, would you just, would you tow me in? And so he, he would start towing me in. And it was a street bike, so it wasn't really very good. And he was, he was going over a bunch of bumpy dirt and stuff. So, um, it was sketchy, but uh, then, but I realized, okay, I need a motorcycle to tow me into this thing. And you know, at the time, you know, they just go out and buy a motorcycle. But then, BMX Plus had that freestyle a year thing, and they gave away a free motorcycle for whoever wants a freestyle a year. And I guess it was a voting thing. I ended up winning it that year, and so I got a motorcycle, and I, I traded that in for used KDX, and uh, got a open tied to the back of the KDX, and just that would tow me in, and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so rad how everything fell into place, dude. I know. It's crazy. What was it like hitting it the first time? You know, it just felt just like a gigantic hill. It's kind of as fast as you can, you can't even get up to the top of it. And you're just like, whoa, what? Like, it just, it was a little discouraging. I was just like, but I didn't realize that it was just all about speed was the factor. It's just like I had to get, the faster I went, the more it would feel normal. And so, um, but then once I, started hitting it, it was amazing because the view you would get, you know, you're always used to being about 10 feet above the ramp and just seeing the coping, focusing on the coping, but then once you started pushing up, up in the upper scene uh, and you'd look down, the coping was so small and you would see the depth and you'd see behind the depth and so you'd see the, the whole ramp, the different perspectives, and you're like, it's so cool, man. Uh, yeah. And what I love most about it is, you wrote it down on a piece of paper or a napkin and a sketchy diner in SoCal with Johnny Airtime and you brought it to life. And that's what it's all about, bro. That's what like everything's about is like just to do it yourself and just to kind of, or not even kind of, but to use your own brain and to follow your instincts and test yourself, you know? But the part of the story that, uh, that, we're, that we are leaving out though is remember like uh, we were doing those shows in, Indianapolis, I think, and I think Tony, no, yeah, no, we're doing some shows, like, no, I forget, it was like maybe this year, but we're doing some shows, 
and I was going to get the money for those shows, and I was going to go build my ramp for for uh, maybe it's Arbor, Arbor, Michigan. I don't know. Um, but uh, but then on the way back, my semi truck broke in half. And, oh, uh, that's right. Um, I remember and it, that. And then it just like and so I'm driving the semi truck. It breaks in half, and then I'm just looking straight up in the sky. And then the two big gas tanks that have 350 gallons of, of diesel just drag on the ground until they drag holes in the gas. And then the gas all leaks out, goes down the ravine, and the cops come. I don't even have my license to drive this thing. And uh, they, I just get all these tickets, and then I get all these fines where I have to get a buy environmentalist out there to clean up this mess. It just takes every dime I had. And so I was just like, man, so I got back, and I was just like, Man, the dream isn't going to happen. And then you had a friend, and um, he needed a condor, and or he wanted a condor, I think. And and you're like, hey, if if you if you can bring a condor, he'll he'll give you a plywood. I rented a U-Haul, and then gave him the condor, and he loaded up my U-Haul with uh, plywood, and that's how I built my first thing. <laughs> Dude, it's so rad, and I I do I remember all of it, brother, like it was the other day. And I also remember being in the rain on the side of the freeway in the middle of wherever, okay, having the, taken these huge, like, tampon-looking pads and soaking up gasoline, putting it in a barrel, closing the barrel, and then me and Steve Swope rolling them up the mud to the top to help save money because we're like, well, we're standing here in the rain with nothing to do. How much, how much would it cost? Well, what if we help? Would that cut cost? The dude's like, sure. I'm like, Steve. Grab them tampons. Let's just start soaking up this gas. We got to get home. And I think I went all the way back home from Indiana in the back of a U-Haul truck with it closed, which was like being in solitary confinement. It was nuts. I was like, I think when I got back home, I was delirious, bro. I was like, where am I? (laughs) No, like I was in the back of the car. People listening, I was in the cargo part of the U-Haul, like where you close it and lock it and go, best of luck, buddy. And then you're like, it's so rad. <laughs> rad life. And like this, you know, and these are, these are the type uh, of things that like, I don't know, man, this makes what life, life fun, you know, like, you know, people, people see the peaches and cream, but it's like, yo, you have no idea what it was like to be out in the rain soaking up gasoline. Okay. Let me tell you something. But, but you would never, I mean, we, I don't see how we would ever get away with that. If we would, because you remember, I mean, we were, I was driving a semi truck around the U.S. I was 18, didn't have a license. And you remember that one time that I tried to go through the uh, Holland Tunnel and I couldn't fit, so I had to back up. And it was like, they, they had to shut the Holland Tunnel down so I could get out of there. And then, uh, <laughs> um, and then they were just so pissed off and, and, uh, and just mad that I would even try that, but they didn't even give me a ticket. They just wanted to get me out of there so they could get back to business, you know? And so I just, they didn't even check my license or anything. I was just like, oh, sorry. And then, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, oh, by the way, how old are you? Do you have your legal permits? Ah, oh, don't worry about it, Tony. I'll just back it up. Hey, move the fucking cars over here. Let them out of here. Yeah, come on, let's go. Keep this tunnel moving, huh, Tony? Um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we were, we were, buying it. we had no idea. We just went for it, right? Yeah, it's it, but I, I just wonder, I think, I think times have changed. I don't think, I don't think we could get away the way we lived and just how we just kind of was. It was like every day it was like, fuck it, it's just, that's what we want to do. We're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I think we might uh, we might be have started a little bit of time. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because people because people would say, oh, the first thing they would say is like terror act in the Holland Tunnel block with the semi, and then you'd have like you know, you would <laughs> you'd be like, dude, I'm 18, I just I ride BMX, bro. I'm like the Condor. What's up? <laughs> Tonight on CNN, breaking news: AKA the Condor. Blocks the Holland Tunnel and a semi truck. What's in the back on the next Wolf Blitzer? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, I remember I jackknifed that. Uh, I drove it once, bro, and we were like dead tired, and you were asleep, and Steve was asleep, and you guys just put me behind the wheel, and Steve's like, you just shift gears like this and that, and it revs out, hit it to that, and then you shift, and I was like, all right, I'll go for it. And then I saw this bridge that said like 12, I don't know, like, I don't know what it, I just, um, look, man, I just thought it wouldn't fit, you know what I mean? But I didn't realize that, that it would, and like, I hit the brakes and jackknifed that shit in the freeway, and Steve's like, what the hell? And you woke up like, darn, and I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing, man. Like, <laughs> help. I know, we give you, we give you like a, a like a, maybe a 45 second lesson on how to drive a semi-truck and go to sleep and then wake up. Surprise and, <laughs> and I'm like, well, see, I, actually, I did that on purpose so I wouldn't have to drive it anymore, bro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was scared, man. I was like, damn, this is like a big-ass truck. I don't even know. Like, all right, I mean, all right, we got to get to the show. What show are we going to? Well, we got this show down there around this other fair down there. You're going to be by the pig race, and uh, y'all need to get there soon. Y'all here now? <laughs> Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. Remember McCoy? He would always negotiate with people for stuff, like go over to Turkey Lake Jones over there and get yourself a free turkey leg and just like advertising so we can get a free turkey leg. And then we get it and we'd be like, this shit is disgusting, D. This sucks, you know? <laughs> Those were fun times, man. You know, I wouldn't have traded for anything. It was it was, it was, was awesome. It was like, yeah, I had a blast, dude. And I, 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 I know I've told you this before, but I've appreciated every opportunity you've given me because, you know, hey, I appreciate everything. Oh, uh, yeah, you made the shows, man. You're, you're so, if you remember, I, that's, that's before anybody knew that you were so good with crowds and announcing and stuff, too. And so, what? You can, you can announce, too? It's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fun, <laughs> yeah. man. And, like, yeah, I mean, those were good times. And, and so, uh, back to the big air, um, which, how do you feel, like, where it's gotten to now? Like, it's bananas. They're doing yeah. like triple whips, one-handed triple um, whips. Did, didn't didn't uh, Morgan just do that? Yeah, yeah, he did one-handed double whips. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, uh, he's he's my hero. Who does that? No one I think will ever do that shit. I, I don't know. But, I mean, a one-handed double whip on you know twenty foot out on a mega ramp. It's like or whatever they're called nowadays. What do they call it now? I don't know. Big air ramp. I just always call it just big ramp. But I, I think. Uh, mega ramp got like uh, they um, trademarked it, so you couldn't call it mega ramp. And then the year ramp, <laughs> I just love how how that thing just became it's a legal thing on how people could own this thing, you know, own the name, own the own the uh, idea, and um, and just even in the beginning, no one would ever give me credit that I came up with it. You know, yep. so they just it was just all about they just wanted. Even they wouldn't even let me touch the mega ramp at the SKs because I had nothing to do with that, and that was only for skateboarding, is what I was told. I'm just like, I don't even 
no. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, that's not my, I didn't do this for this, so you guys fight over it. I'm just going to go and <laughs> have fun with it. But, yeah, it was crazy. You don't know that I hung out with Johnny Airtime. We soaked up gasoline with huge tampons. Uh, I traded a bike for some plywood. And then when I built it the first time, didn't it blow down? Didn't it blow down the first time you built it? No, it was a second over. Actually, it was third time. Because I built it the first time. And then uh, and then I was just like, I had this idea of I could make it into a half pipe. And then I could, I could just, well, I think he was just getting a little nervous because he kind of, I kept telling him to go faster and faster, and he's just like, "Dude, you're gonna kill yourself." And, and he was always looking out for me so much that he just didn't he didn't want to be the guy that uh, told you to my demise. You were saying you wanted him to go faster, towing you by the motorcycle, right? Right, right. And I was like, "Just go faster, go faster." Because I just wanted to keep going higher. And I, I think he was just kind of realizing I was I, I didn't have a stop button, you know, and and I was just gonna push it until I that took myself out. And so he's like, I'm not going to be that guy. So it just kept getting tense, you know, uh, with with him pulling me faster. So, um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to build a half pipe. That way I'm responsible for myself and no one is going to be blamed if something happens to me. So I'm just going to figure out how to ride a half pipe, you know, a bigger half pipe. And so then I, uh, I built the half pipe, but then I uh, rolled in on it and I realized I couldn't pump the ramp. And I kept going smaller and smaller, and I, I and the half I was so hard to build. It took me so long. And I built it basically myself, and um, and then I was just like, oh, okay, wait, I need a motor for my bike. And so that's when I found that uh, Weedator motor, and then I uh, got a rig for my bike. It was like a, well, it was like a small tooth, but it was like a 17 tooth block in the front, and then a 122 tooth block in the back, and had 7400 RPMs. And I and I just made a gas tank. I duct taped to my top tube, and um, and guys at work gave me enough torque to keep keep about 18, 20 feet. And so I um, I rolled in and started riding riding in and started working. But then I I also had like a 12 pound engine on one side of the bike, and my I was totally off center, and it was just like sketchy as hell. And so I just kept pushing that until I blew up my spleen and. And had to get it my swing taken out, and, and I was like, okay, well that's not going to work. So then I took half of that ramp down and towed half of the half pipe over to the the new ramp in like '93, '94, and then I tried to stabilize that ramp and I rode it for the the BS contest I had, um, and I did that show in '94 on it. But it was just so it was so wobbly, and it just it really like I, I towed it with a tow truck <laughs> over <laughs> a 21 foot ramp <laughs> over just. My friend had a tow truck, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, see that was." So I floated over to where it was, and it was pretty sketchy. And then, um, and then that's why I think that one blew down. But at the same time, it blew down when I was out of town, and uh, and Steve only knows that it blew down. And I think again, he was just really nervous because I think he thought I was this was how I was going to take myself out of this big ramp because I started kind of getting a little. I don't know. I because I, I started getting into base jumping too at the same time, and and I was like, "Okay, you know what?" I could probably build a bigger ramp. I could get towed faster, and I could base jump from the peak of it. And I think when I said uh, dreaming up stuff like that, he's like, "We well, gotta shut this down. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, not gonna be around much longer if we don't, if we don't figure out that." Because I remember I, I came up with that idea. Uh, uh, he's like, "No, you can't do that because uh, uh, your, your bearings would burn up. You'd be going too fast." And I was like, "I was like, well, Jack works for us now. He can figure this out." And I was like, "Jack, put down your bearings." <laughs> <laughs> I can I can go 100 foot. My idea was to go 100 foot, 
put a 100-foot ramp and get a 100-foot out of it and throw a parachute at 200 feet above it and parachute back down. Yeah. <laughs> but then I got injured and then on something else and I get to prefer that too. Yeah, well, I mean, you you have that ability to to test to see how far you can go to see you you have that drive inside of you, you know. Yeah, it's like a drive, but it's also it's almost like it's a necessity, you know. It's like I, it's not that I want to do this; it's that I have to do it. <laughs> and good ideas like good ideas like that of the big ramp or just a trick or something. It's like it's not like okay, if everything's good and I feel like it, um, then maybe I'll do this. No, it's like it's, an idea gets in my head. It's like oh my gosh, I have to do this. Like, I think that's how you evolve, and that's how you innovate it, because it's not because you want to, it's because you don't have any other choice. So I wanted to talk to you as well about your art. I mean, you got into art really heavily, a lot into painting, and and this is a side of you that I never knew existed. Um, talk to me about how you started getting into into that. Yeah, I, uh, it was mainly because I, I was injured, and I just I needed another outlet. I always kind of liked to paint and stuff, I never realized that it kind of gave me the meditation that I, I need. Like when I ride, you know, it just demands my focus. And so I have to just meditate and, it, and everything else disappears except for that moment, you know. And that's what I love about riding. But, uh, I, and luckily, um, you know, I discovered it in, in painting because it's, it's like, it's just like riding. Because I, I mean, I, I painted, I did over like 130 uh, commissions last year of, paintings and um but i still every time i start one i'm just like i don't even know what i'm doing like this one's going to prove it's finally going to prove i don't know what i'm going to do I, I don't know what i'm doing you know but, but then i but then you just have but it's like riding you just have to go for it and then and then just like it, you know sometimes you can't visualize the whole painting or you can't like if you can't when you're riding like visualize everything you want to do but you just have to hold on and just like and just problem solve you know and just like main thing is get started and make yourself go for it and, and so that's what I, I love about it because it's, it's intimidating and it, it, it's, it's kind of scary and it's like I, I, just, I just have to kind of it kind of makes me I can use those same things I learned from like dropping in and, and doing doing something a trick that I, I'm I don't know if I can do you know it's like I can use this that same mindset like dropping into a painting and figuring it out and um and it's like if i and then once i drop in i get focused and everything else disappears and after about you know four five six hours i'm like oh okay that's what was I, that's what i wanted to paint and that's here it is okay cool. awesome so yeah it's, it's cool so i can at least say i got something when i'm i can go over with now and, and i don't because like, i'm always worried about you know, i can't jump off things or i can't jump out of things or ride my bike off things or up you know like what am I going to do? I'm just, my mind is going to it's going to freak out. <laughs> and then now it's like, oh, okay, well, I, I now I never thought I'd find a, a real passive way to like make my mind kind of chill out and, and relax and focus. But I did. So, so yeah, I'm stoked for you. It's it's committing to, um, you know, committing to your painting is is like committing rolling in the ramp. Um, I feel BMX has taught me. Uh, that I could accomplish anything. Do you ever feel that way? Like, like you say, Oh, well I, I did that yeah. on bikes. Like, and people always told me, don't do that. Or what are you doing? Or, and in your head, you're like, uh, you know, I think I, I know I could do this. Something's telling me I could do this and create this. It's really helped me along the way with a number of things, you know, from being a parent to yeah. working on my car to anything. I think back, I'm like, well, if I could spend a five on vert, I could do this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> 
You're like, you're like, yeah. oh, do you, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like that? Yeah, totally. And if, it, and if it doesn't work, you know, it's like I think writing has taught, taught us that you just you got to get up and, and try it again. And if you fail, you might fail ten times. You might even, you might even have to like, uh, it might take you six months to get better to try it again. But you know, just keep keep doing it and keep trying it, and you're gonna you're gonna get it. You know, just don't ever give up and and that uh, and don't ever be scared to fail. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I hate when people, because I, I know it's, it's, it's cool talking about stuff like this because it's like you can say it's the same thing. Like whenever I've, I fall in front of a crowd and they're kind of embarrassed for me, I'm like, oh, are you okay? Did you, I, I thought you should be embarrassed that you fell. And I'm like, what? No, that's what I do. I, that's, I fall. I, I'm, I, I look forward to next time I fall because it's going to teach me a valuable lesson that I'm going to, that's going to improve myself. I'm going to be able to improve my writing and I just keep learning and I, but I would never learn if I didn't hit the ground and it did teach me another lesson of how to how to do it better. So um a lot of people I just think get get scared to fail and so they don't try and so they, they fail anyway because they never try. And it's just I just think uh people need to uh, embrace failing. <laughs> I, I think writing definitely shows us that But you said people need to embrace what? Failing. Oh, failing. Yeah, they need to embrace failing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And taking the chance and, and, and believing in yourself, it's just feel really blessed that, that, you know, not only did bike riding teach me about, like, you know, confidence levels and the things I could accomplish for myself, but also I've encountered so many cool people and so many cool events and stuff. It's like, um, wait, so I want to I wanna, I wanna back up for a second. Um, so you said that you sold, you sold a lot of your paintings. Yeah, but I, yeah, I did like 135 of them, probably, probably more than that, but it's like, I, I was just paying, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, well, I, I was short on jobs last year, and so it was kind of good, uh, um, it was good to have something where people would uh, pay me for my time, but but, uh, but also, I I just wanted to practice a lot, and just learn how to paint better, and so I was just like, I started taking on commissions and just started paint things that I would never paint, and so I, I just taught me how to paint anything. Um, and so like I just yeah I just started taking a lot of a lot of tests because everybody has tests, so I started just saying hey I can paint that you know and I just, uh, so I do that, but also would just do kind of whatever you know if someone wanted me to paint a picture of them riding or if they, someone wanted me to paint a gigantic caterpillar for them. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll paint a caterpillar, you know, just <laughs> uh, random stuff. But uh, um, <laughs> I wanna, I was gonna ask but, you if you, you know, could paint me a snail. Can you paint me a snail a so snail? I can look at it every day and be like, <laughs> "I'm moving along, Tony." <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think that that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, it's gotta feel good. You know what I mean? Like someone's like, "Yo, dude, can you paint this for me?" Like. That's that's gotta be a good feeling too, right? Yeah, it's it, it's it's all yeah. I, I love it because it's like, and I feel real lucky because I can I can sit at home and do something creative and challenging, and uh, and that that is just as rewarding to me as it is for the person that I'm painting it for, and uh, um, take care of the bills or whatever. Yeah. You know, but like, because I, I, I was seriously in a position, I was like, dude, I gotta find a job or something, you know. And then I was like, well, shit, okay, well, I like to paint, and, and people have pets. I thought I just, I'll just see if people want me to paint their pets, you know. And then it just happened. I'm like, dude, I'm the luckiest dude in the world that I can, I can like, 
I need an extra job and I get something challenging that's fun and creative and I get to stay at home in my office and do it. Yeah, <laughs> and be around your family so and, and cool. yeah, be around. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, where could, I, I like to plug everybody's Instagrams and social medias and can you can you give me your Instagrams and your, uh, for, for not only you, but for Hoffman Bikes and also where people could, if they want a painting from you, um, where they could find you? Uh, my Instagram, I think also my Facebook, I think it's uh, Condor BMX. I should change it to my name. People keep telling me I should change it to my name, but anybody that tells me I should change it to my name also tells me to give them 1500 bucks to change it. I'm like, ah. Yeah, I know. I think that's silly. BMX. But, you know, I, uh, so yeah, uh, it's, it's Condor BMX, and yeah, you can, you can DM me or something, and, and, uh, um, and if you want me to just tell me what you want me to paint or give me some ideas or give me some photos, and, and then I'll. I'll Awesome. And then, and then also to Hoppin' Bikes is, you know, obviously hoppinbikes.com, Hoppin' Bikes Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's all Hoppin' Bikes stuff. Yeah. So get through to me on that because I'm doing Hoppin' Bikes all. Basically, it's, I'm flat back kind of, that's like, you know, 27 years and I'm, I'm just, uh, I built a warehouse at my house and I, I do everything. I ship all the orders. I, I uh, take all the orders. I, uh, I drive to the UPS store and the FedEx store and I mean, it's all, That's amazing, dude. I'm stoked for you. I mean, you're always an inspiration, Matt. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. We've toured the world a lot, and we've been around. We've, we've done a lot of cool things together, man. And like I said, I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything you've done for the sport and for myself. And I just want to say thanks a lot. You too, so you're such an inspiration. you got a beautiful family. You take care of them. You still live your dream and just make your dream happen no matter how bizarre it is. And it's just always moving. No, no, this, this, I'm going to let this one run because I mean, like if me and you did a two hour long podcast, it would be interesting because like we have a lot of stories. We could, we can go on and on and on. I know we could, we could do like, we could do an eight hour podcast. I think. Dude, let's do a podcast <laughs> blowout. Yeah, dude, this New Year's Eve podcast yeah, blowout. 24 hours. 24 hours with Condor and Thorn. Podcast blowout 2018. I got a good <laughs> no bro thanks a lot for taking time to talk to me and to all the listeners thanks a lot for listening follow condor bmx on instagram hop on bikes get a painting from matt matt you're a true inspiration and i love you brother i hope you have a great day yeah you too so i love you bro all right peace out